We started the service this morning singing a song about the battle belongs to the Lord. The reason why we use that song is that this message we're going to be in Jeremiah 17. You see that on the screen. And we are focusing on the inner battle, the inner struggle, the inner difficulty. We all struggle. And here he's painting a contrast between those who follow God and those who don't. And it's not just those who are saved and those who are not saved. Believers can follow God or not, depending on the decisions of their heart. So let's prepare ourselves to hear the message, okay? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the life of the prophet Jeremiah. We thank you for the folks who wrote this and copied it. We thank you for the translators who brought it into a language we could understand. We thank you for the preservation of your word by the Holy Spirit of God. We thank you for this building and these people and this time that we have set aside as a sacred occasion, a sacred moment in our week where we genuinely authentically, wholeheartedly seek after you. And so, Father, we come before you on this day, in this place, at this time, and we say, please speak to our hearts through your word, through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, (laughs) Jeremiah was a prophet of God to the nation of Judah. That was the southern kingdom when Israel divided after the days of Rehoboam. They split and and we had the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, which was primarily the tribe of Judah and also the tribe of Benjamin. But the southern kingdom was... Uh, when he was born in about 646 B.C., the, the northern kingdom had already fallen to the Assyrians, but the southern kingdom was still around. And, uh, but when he was born, the evil king Manasseh lived. Manasseh was so evil, it says, he did more evil than all the evil kings before him. That's a mess. And so God called Jeremiah to serve as a prophet, and he prophesied about a hundred years after Isaiah, and he was prophesying in Judah at the same time that Ezekiel was prophesying over in Babylon to the east. And the days of Jeremiah were filled with turmoil. The Assyrian kingdom was conquered by Babylon. Babylon marched on Judah. Egypt came up and pushed the Babylonians off for a bit. And then eventually Babylon conquered Judah. Jeremiah warned the nation that judgment was coming and that the Chaldeans would conquer. And when the Egyptians came up and pushed the Chaldeans back, they thought Jeremiah was a lunatic. And then when they came and conquered, the Babylonians conquered, they thought Jeremiah was a spy. The only way he could know they were going to come back is if he was a spy for them. He was not. He listened to God. And God told him. Jeremiah was eventually uh, thrown into prison, uh, beaten. He was hauled down to Egypt later, and the people got tired of hearing his message of God's judgment, and, and according to history, they stoned him to death in Egypt. Before the scriptures were completed, God spoke directly to prophets. Now God speaks to us through his word, in fact. Um, God was revealing new truth in that day, but today we have the completed Old Testament 
and New Testament. The Holy Spirit still guides us. He still stirs our hearts. He still directs us. But he doesn't give us new truth. If I stand up here Sunday and say, I have a new revelation from God. You need to follow me. I encourage you, don't follow me. Don't follow anyone who says they have a new revelation for everyone to follow because the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 13 teaches that when the word of God is complete, prophecy will stop. That, that giving of the word of knowledge from God stops. So the Holy Spirit still speaks in our hearts and lives, but he doesn't reveal new truth to you that new, you need to share with other people. I've had friends that felt like God gave them a new revelation. We're not friends anymore. I chose to follow the Word of God. And you should never follow a pastor or spiritual teacher who does not get their message from the Bible. Here's what we say in our Articles of Faith as a church. We say that the Scripture alone, sola scriptura, is the sole and final source of all that we believe. And it is therefore the final authority of all traditions and knowledge, the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and opinions should be tried. So we're looking in the Word of God. We're looking at a message from Jeremiah that was very important to the nation of Judah, but it's also important to us right now. Hopefully you have your Bibles. Look in Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse number 5. Thus says the Lord. Pause right there. This is not a message from Jeremiah. This is a message from the Lord God Almighty speaking through Jeremiah to the people of God. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Here's a big contrast. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord. Search the heart. I test the mind or the reins, the kidney, the inner part of you. I test the mind. Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. The first thing I want you to think about as we look at these verses and think about them is we have a response. We have a response. We have habits and quirks and peculiarities and behaviors. We have lifestyle practices and conditioned responses to stimuli. A lot of people put their socks on the same way every time. I like to shake it up. I change. No. Now listen, sometimes when you get upset, what happens? 
People can tell when you're upset. Why? Well, when you're upset, your eyes close a little bit. They, they crinkle up a little bit. Your jaw gets set. Your fists clench. Uh, your nostrils flare. When, when you're getting upset, people can see it. In fact, Kathy and I found out that she can tell when I'm getting upset before I can. And so I learned to listen to her. And every now and then, she'd reach out and pat my leg. And the people we were talking with thought, oh, she loves him. But I knew it was down boy. Down boy. Okay? See, when, when you have responses that you build in, and, 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 and they're recognizable. And so when you feel needy, when you feel hurt, when you want direction, when you have a desperate situation, you have a response. You go somewhere for help. You go somewhere first. Well, trusting in man is a response that Jeremiah writes about. It's a habit people develop in life. You call your best friend or you call your parents. You talk to a a deacon. You call the pastor. You turn to someone when you feel needy. And your heart moves toward people. That's when you trust in man, your response. But you can also trust in God. That could be your response. And when you trust in God, you then go to Him in trouble. You cry out to Him in prayer. You, uh, you call Him first. He's, he's the best friend you reach out to. Not your buddy, not your mate, not your girlfriend. Your best friend is the Lord. And you can learn to depend on Him. Your hope can be in Him. Your confidence would be in Christ, not in people, not in family or friends. So Jeremiah said, the man who trusts in man is cursed. He faces hardship and difficulties. In fact, let's look at him in verse 6. The man who is trusting in man is like a shrub in the desert. That's not very inviting, is it? A desert shrub. In fact, he goes on to say, a parched place. Makes you need a drink when you say the word parched, doesn't it? It just dries out your mouth. A parched place. It's a wilderness. It's a salt land which is not inhabited. Some of you have been to the Holy Land and you've been to the Dead Sea and the salt land around that. Uh, I've been to Salt Lake and, and the salt. And, you know, we, we took our kids to Salt Lake and I told them they could, they could float on top of the water. It stank so bad we wouldn't let them near the water. Uh, uh, they were disappointed they didn't get to float on it. But some of them were disappointed they had to smell it. So, you know, but, but this salt land, the description here is worse than Arizona. Actually, the desert of Arizona is beautiful. We have flowers that bloom on cactus. It, it's beautiful. But this is a dry, barren, desert place like West Texas. <laughs> now, look at verse 8. The one who's blessed, what does he look like? He's a tree planted by the waters. Roots spread out by the river. Green leaves. Fruit bearing. 
big difference. A desert shrub in a dry and salty place and a tree by the water flourishing. I want you to look at verse 8. Two things in verse 8 we really need to see. Verse 8 is talking about which person, the blessed person or the cursed person? The blessed person. And look what it says. He will not fear when what happens? When the heat comes. Guess what? You're a tree by the water. You're going to have heat just like the desert shrub. You're going to face hot times. You're going to face difficulties. In fact, it says even more. It says it will, you will not be anxious in the year of drought. So the blessed one and the cursed one will both face drought. Oh, that's not what we want to hear. We want to hear when God blesses, everything's good. Jesus takes away your pain and your suffering, your financial hardships. You become healthier, wealthier, wiser because you walk with the Lord. Well, let me tell you something. That third thing's true. When you walk with the Lord, you become wiser. But as I am living proof, you don't necessarily become healthier. And you certainly don't necessarily become wealthier. The principles you can learn in this coming seminar that we're going to have or be reminded of principles, some we've taught here before, but you're going to be reminded and learned and encouraged in the things God has for us. Those things can help you prosper financially if you use your money wisely. But you can still struggle when you walk with the Lord. You can have heat. You can have drought. But you're still blessed because you're with the Lord. See, I've, I've never run a marathon. I've read about them. I have been told that depending on the course, the most difficult part of the 26 miles is between mile 18 and mile 22. That's when you've still got far enough left to go, you're not sure you can finish, and your body is depleted. Well, in the 2018 Phoenix Marathon, first place finished in two hours, 21 minutes, and six seconds. They were disappointed it was so slow. Okay, the last recorded finish time was for finisher number 2,225. And that person finished in seven hours, 19 minutes, and 31 seconds. Do they really need to count the seconds when you get out that far? The first place finisher hit that difficult window sometime between an hour and 35 minutes and an hour and 56 minutes into the race. The last recorded finisher, 2,225, that finisher hit that window somewhere between 5 hours and 4 minutes and 6 hours and 16 minutes. But, but guess what? They both hit the difficult part. The one who was blessed to be running along at two hours and 21 minutes to run 26 miles. Most of us would have trouble doing that on a bicycle. And, and you know, running a five-minute mile, 26 miles in a row. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> but they still face the hard times. 
The blessed and the cursed face heat and face difficulty. It's brutal for the elite athlete. It's brutal for the amateur. Marathons are brutal. And so is life on earth. Whether you trust the Lord or trust yourself, you're going to face heat and drought. You're going to be hurt and you're going to suffer. But if you walk with the Lord, you won't suffer alone. And if you walk with the Lord, your sufferings will not hinder your spiritual development. You can still bear fruit. See, you, you have a response. Remember the shepherd boy David? When David saw Goliath, he had a response, remember? He said, who is this Philistine to uh, uh, abuse God? With the power of God, I will take him down. And he goes out on the field in battle against this really big guy in armor. And he says, in the name of the Lord God, I will take your life. And he does. And he lops off his head with Goliath's own sword. And he stands holding the sword and holding the head. That's why we have the children in junior church, so they don't hear this graphic stuff. But he stands holding them and probably saying, Oorah! And as he stands there in victory, we think, what a guy! He, his response was to trust the Lord. Well, guess what? We meet King David a little later in life. King David's out on his balcony and he's overlooking and he sees a beautiful woman. And he doesn't fall to the enemy without. He falls to the enemy within. His own lust brings him down. David was blessed when he followed the Lord. Cursed when he didn't. It's not just believe in your salvation and you're blessed forevermore. You have to choose to trust Him every day. Peter was trusting the Lord and he preached and 5,000 people got saved. I, Kathy and I were in an amazing service in Cuba once when I preached and I think 75 people responded. It was an amazing experience. I've never experienced anything like that before or since. But 5,000 people believed when Peter preached. Same Peter. Same guy. He's up in Antioch. And the Judaizers come. And Peter withdraws from the Gentiles and goes and sits with the Judaizers. His response was to trust men. And Paul had to rebuke him to his face. You can read that story later in the book of Galatians. You have a response, and your response is a direct reflection of who you are trusting in the moment. Are you trusting God? Leading toward blessing. You're trusting man. Leading toward cursing. Who you trust in the moment, that's your response. But not only do you have a response, but secondly, your path is determined by your steps. It's determined by your steps, not your intention, not your hopes, not your dreams, not your plans. Your path is determined by your steps, by your actions. Not by what you hope to do, but what you actually 
do. There's a church consultant, he talks to churches, and one of the things he tries to determine is, what are the values of the church? And he said in every church he goes into and he talks with them, the church brings out on paper, here's our values. But then as he spends time and he hangs around and he talks with the people, he finds those really aren't their values. Those are their hopes. Because they're not following them. Their values are what they actually follow. So you can show up in church and you can pretend to be all spiritual. You can carry a Bible. Your Bible can have your name embossed in gold. I just received in the mail a couple days ago a Bible from my grandpa. You know, my grandpa passed away a few years ago and I got to preach his memorial service. That was very special for me. And, but, but I got grandpa's Bible that had his name on the front embossed in gold letters. And I love my grandpa. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to see him in heaven. But he had that Bible for the last 20 years of his life. It looks pretty new, folks. It looks pretty new. Does your Bible get work? Now, admittedly, the Bible I have here looks new because it is. I just bought it. But but I, I don't read the Bible as much on this as I do on my computer and on my cell phone. But are you using God's Word? Wouldn't it be cool if you wore out your cell phones because you read your Bible so much? Hey, you, you have to take action. You need to take practical steps that follow the values and principles the Lord has laid out for us. Because verse 9 says, your heart is deceitful. Above all things, it's desperately wicked. All right, kids, I know you've been wanting to do this for a while. You can turn to your parent, if you're sent by a parent, you can tell them, your heart is desperately wicked. Now, parents, you can turn back to those kids and say the same thing. Your heart, you can be deceived following your own heart. Now, I know that every Disney movie says you need to follow your heart. You know, I, I watched some movies and, and this person's trying to figure out, you know, how will I know? Oh, you'll just know. And in fact, I figured out how to know when you're really in love with the right person. You kiss them and you feel, wow, and then you know it's the right person. That's exactly what happened when Kathy kissed me. No, the truth is, I fell in love with her before I ever held her hand. Because I knew she was a type of woman who chose to walk with God. And when I asked her out and she said yes, if I could have done a cartwheel, I would have, except I was in church. And, and, and I was thrilled. And I remember the first time I held her hand. I was already committed. I'd already told my best friend I was going to marry her. I hadn't even held her hand yet. According to the movies, I couldn't know it was real because I didn't have the wow kiss. Well, I'll tell you what, I've been loving that lady for more than 40 years. So far, so good. (laughs) Hey, the good news is the kisses are still wow. Okay? (laughs) Just saying. Listen, your heart is deceitful. And I just embarrassed her a little bit. 
That's okay. Yeah, God can read your heart. God says your heart can lead you the wrong direction. Hey, we can name people, can't we? Who were married to a godly woman or a godly man and their heart led them astray. God searches your heart, verse 10 says. That, that search, he investigates, analyzing. God is exploring you. The almighty God of the universe is searching your heart. And he will give you according to your ways, not according to your dreams and hopes and aspirations, but according to your ways. You will have the fruit of your own steps and choices. So let's look again at the prophet Jeremiah. I began by talking about Jeremiah's life a little bit. So, Jeremiah, do you think he loved God? Yes. Do you, do you think he obeyed God? Yeah. And in fact, he says there was a time he didn't want to share God's message because he, he felt like the message would anger the people and they'd be mad at him again. And so he tried not to share it. He said it was like a fire in his bones and he had to share the message. Yeah, he, he obeyed God. So what happened to him? He was thrown into prison for decades. He was beaten and ridiculed. He was hauled down to Egypt as a prisoner and eventually killed by those who hated his message from God. Wait, wait a minute. He's supposed to be blessed, right? Roots by the river. No fear when the heat comes. Leaf always green. I love it in the Bible. When it wants to say things are really blessed and spiritual, it says they're green. <laughs> not, not anxious in the year of drought. Uh, continuing to yield fruit. It doesn't seem like it worked out very well for Jeremiah, does it? But listen, let's look at Jeremiah's whole life. God worked in his heart and life. That's pretty special. He knew some of God's words before any person on the planet. I've been preaching for 30 years and I can't say that. I have received God's word from people who have known it for generations and generations and millennia. But Jeremiah heard it first. He had a chance to speak with God. I pray to God and the Holy Spirit speaks into my life. But I can tell you in my entire life of trying to follow the Lord, I can name just a handful of times when I really felt God speaking like almost audible words. Only they weren't audible, just in my heart. Most of the time it's an impression of the Spirit. It's an assurance of the Spirit. But Jeremiah heard words. He, he had a chance to speak for God. That's a, that's a privilege. It's a joy. When you get to share God's word with other people, that's pretty special. Every one of us get to do that. But Jeremiah got to do it too. And he served with one good king. 
One king who chose to follow God, Josiah. And, and then he saw the truth of God lived out over and over and over. And eventually he went home to be with the Lord. That's our great hope, like, right? We want to get called up in the rapture. We don't want to have to die. But either way, we end up in the same place. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And when he went to be with the Lord, he was rewarded not for his effectiveness. He wasn't rewarded by the thousands of people who responded to his message like Peter enjoyed. He was rewarded for his faithfulness. Jeremiah died 2,588 years ago. Jeremiah died 7,430 miles that way. But we're still talking about Jeremiah. We're still learning lessons that he taught in God's name. 102 generations later, his work is still fruitful. The other guys, the guys to oppose him, They are dead and forgotten. But Jeremiah is still bearing fruit. You can bear fruit even when the heat comes. And even when the drought comes. Your response can be to choose to trust God. Or to trust man. To call your best friend or your deacon or your pastor or your Sunday school teacher. Or to call out to God. Your response can be to trust the Lord. Your steps can be to follow the Lord. Someday you'll be with the Lord. As Paul testified in Romans 8, 18, For I consider or reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us when we are in the presence of the Lord. Hey, it it looks cursed when the Christians suffer and die, but it's blessed when they suffer for the Lord and die in the Lord and go to be with the Lord. What's your response? What direction are your steps taking you? Father, each of us needs to choose to trust in the circumstances of daily life, but especially for our salvation. And Father, you know the hearts I don't. You examine the hearts I can't. You know if there are people here today who need to trust Christ as Savior. And I pray that you would burden their heart to trust you they would come forward and let us show them from your word how they can trust you as Savior. Father, you're examining the hearts and and you know that there are believers here who need to have a course correction. They need to stop trusting their own heart. They need to choose to trust you. They need to submit to your word and your direction. Father, you know my heart. 
you know, the areas where I need to grow and change and mature. Father, will you speak into our hearts? Will you stir us, challenge every one of us? May we leave this place closer to you than we have ever been in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.